say the game is getting old. Monday morning and your coffee's cold. Life is not what you want it to be. Everyone and welcome to a new direction. My name is Jay Izzo and oh my goodness do we have an amazing show. I am just telling you right now, amazing. Oh, guess what? Dr. Tara Peters, all the way from Dallas, Texas, all the way from Dallas, Texas, is joining us today to talk about this book that I am showing everybody on Facebook Live. It is called The Demotivated Employee. Oh my, did this book speak to me. I'm just telling you right now, this book got under my skin in more ways than I care to even tell you about. But, well, you'll probably know some of them. But listen, this book, The Demotivated Employee, is absolutely brilliant. It's 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 her co-author and friend, Kathy Bush. Dr. Kathy Bush also wrote this book. Absolutely. Uh, this is a no-brainer. By the way, if you are a leader, if you are a, an employer, if you are a manager, if you are an employee, you should read this book because this book is absolutely, uh, I think, is brilliant. So, you, you know, it's I just, I love it. And she's going to be joining us a little bit later. But hey, before we do that, let's do what we do every week. And you know what that is, right? We, we I walk you through the four areas of your life, right? I believe we're physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual people. And, you know, uh, we're living in a little bit different world right now. So things are a little bit different. And, you know, uh, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, we're all kind of in different places than we've probably been in in our past. And so... Uh, you know, as we check in, right, you know, we're probably, there's probably a new normal to be really honest with, with ourselves. So let's find out where our new normal is and then let's find out how we can make that new normal better, right? Whatever that is, right? So let's talk about physically. How are you doing physically out there, everybody? I mean, are you, are you like, you know, have you been working out? Have you been eating better? Have you been eating right? You know, because it's easier to snack, you know, we have a tendency to eat more junk. We aren't getting as much exercise. This is where you have to be a little bit more disciplined and get yourself out there and start doing those things that, you know, you don't want to do, but you really do need to do them if you really, really want to be healthy. So on a scale of one to 10, one being miserable, 10 being outstanding, everybody out there, how would you rate yourself in terms of your physical self, right? five is average so what are you giving yourself okay yeah, all right. yeah okay all right so look here's the deal all right so I, I you know if you're three fine if you're six fine the, the goal here is whatever that number is i just want you to get to the next number so whether it's a four or a seven i just the, the, we, that's all i want you to get to you don't have to jump to a 10 that's that's not what we're trying to do here i just want you to get to the next number and you gotta ask yourself you know okay what can i do to what do I need to change about me to get to that next number? Because that's really what's ultimately important. And that is, you know, what do I need? What can I change right now? You know, uh, is it something I need to stop eating? Is it something I need to start eating? Is it more water? Is it more sleep? Is it more exercise? Maybe it's a combination, but whatever it is to get you to the next number, you need to start on it now, right? And you can. There's always something you can do to start on it now. You know, and so let's 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 work on bringing up our physical number. So oh, let's move to the mental number. Okay, mentally, how are we doing? You know what? We have a for many of us. I mean, we're starting to free things up here, but you know, we should have been pretty good mentally about consuming really good stuff to enhance our lives and our brain instead of watching the news and the crud and stuff like this and 
you know, we should be really doing things to enhance ourselves. You know, what can we do to be better so that when we do get back to the work and to the stuff that we do, how can it be a better version of who I am, right? And so, you know, part of that is reading really good things. I think the book, The Demotivated Employee, would have been a great selection for you, by the way, uh, if you want to really enhance your ability to be a better person, a better leader, a better, a more successful, it would be a great book, right? Those are the types of things that you need to consume, right? And, and by the way, it doesn't matter, you know, in terms of what you're consuming, but, but as long as it's helping you grow in some way, whether it's in wisdom or knowledge and understanding, whether it's, you know, in your, in your current career, or maybe it's new career, or, you know, maybe it's something that you need to do to grow, to maybe relax yourself, but it grow your mind and expand your mind, like a musical instrument or a foreign language. Those things are also, um, awesome as well. So, you know, what do you, how would you say you're doing on that scale of one to 10, one being miserable, 10 being outstanding, right? And then again, you know, the question you have to ask yourself is what can I do to change whatever that number is to the next number, all right? So you have two numbers, a physical number, a mental number. Then we go to the emotional part. And the emotional part, people kind of, you know, uh, right, we're all feeling a little bit emotionally intense. I do. I, I mean, listen, I'm not. I'm going to be the first one to admit I'm not perfect emotionally. I'm getting better, but I'm not perfect. And uh, I And I can demonstrate that on a regular basis that I'm not perfect. And you just ask my wife, she'll tell you, I'm not perfect. But the truth of the matter is, I do know that I have, for instance, I have control over my emotions and I make bad choices. All right. At times I make bad choices about what emotions I choose. And so that's part of emotional intelligence is recognizing, first of all, that you make bad choices. And then did you, what was your choices that you made and were they really that good? And the truth of the matter is, I can tell you that right before the show, I made a really bad choice with my wife and I made a fairly bad emotional choice. I did. I just made a bad emotional choice. It was awful. And so I have to, you know, I have to apologize to her, but you know, that's part of my emotional growth, right? Part of my emotional growth is that I have to recognize I made bad choices and then I have to um, be, take the responsibility for my emotions enough to be able to say I was wrong. Okay. And so that's part of emotional intelligence. That's part of our emotional quotient. So how would you say you're doing in that area of emotions on a scale of one to 10, one being miserable, 10 being outstanding? I'm not talking about the incident. Listen, if you were to just evaluate me on the one incident I had before the show, I was a zero. Okay. But I also know I, I can be better and I'm going to be better and I'm going to do my best to be better in the future. And so apologizing and taking responsibility for my emotions is the first step in making that happen. So, you know what, even though I was a zero when I did it, you know, I still feel like I'm pretty good at six because I know I'm going to take responsibility. Does that make sense to you out there? All right, good. So you have three numbers, right? You have a physical, mental, emotional number. And then fourth is the spiritual. And you know what, spiritually, uh, that's something that exists that we can't really put a finger on. We can't explain it. It doesn't have a scientific basis. There's no science to it. And so people deny that it exists. But the truth of the matter is, whether we want to agree with it or not, if we remove the physical, the mental, and the emotional the thing that's left is really the spiritual. It's the thing that, you know, people talk about the soul. It's, it's, it's things that we can't explain. It's the, you know, love is not an emotion. You know, real love is not an emotion. Real love is something deeper that we can't explain. We can't explain that 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 thing that touches the depth of us that goes beyond emotion that's all spiritual stuff 
you know, that we have to deal with. And, you know, you have to evaluate yourself spiritually on, you know, how is it working? You know, are you really getting, are you really getting what you really need in terms of peace and settled, a settledness and a joy? And the question becomes, you know, where's that getting you to spiritually, you know? And so a lot of people have a lot of different ways that they try to handle the spiritual. Some, some it's nature, some it's meditation, um, some it's God. And so there's a variety of different ways that people try to achieve their spiritual selves. But the question then becomes, is it really working? When you really, really come down to it, is it really working for you? And so then what do you need to do to change that in your life? And so I would encourage you to look at that area just as you look at the other areas. What do you need to change right now to make that happen? So you have these four areas of your life, right? You have a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual area. And if you put those four areas and think of them as the legs of a chair, you will discover that if your chair is uneven, you know what happens? It's hard to sit and it's bad on your posture. At the same time, if that chair is too low, it's also bad on your posture. And it makes it very difficult for you to eat at a normal table which is awesome if you have a normal table. and But you know what? I know that you're all working and you're all trying and I believe in you and I'm encouraged that you're doing what you need to do. And speaking of someone who has well-balanced all four areas of her life, her name is Dr. Tara Peters and she's the founder and managing director for Peters Consulting Group. She's an esteemed author, TED Talk speaker, consultant, and gifted educator who believes there is no greater calling and I love this about her, than educating our future generations. I so agree with that. A professional educator for more than 26 years, she currently serves as academic dean for the Texas campus and professor in the DeVos Graduate School at Northwood University. She earned a PhD in educational leadership and systems and has been invited to teach on multiple occasions in Northwood's international programs. She consults internationally and has worked with several companies in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, including Coca-Cola Bottling, Allstate Insurance, Walmart Distribution Center, Medical Center of Plano, and uh, Oakwin, to name a few. Her scholarly work has been presented at regional, national, and international conferences. She's been recognized for excellence in the classroom by who's who among Americans' teachers and administrative excellence as National Women's History Month honoree. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show and welcome to A New Direction, Dr. Tara Peters. Welcome, Tara. Thank you so much, Jay. I'm glad to be uh, with you uh, and your audience today. Very cool. Thank you. So this uh, this book, the demotivated, de- 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 did you hear what I just did there? <laughs> I could not get demotivated out of there, but I, I'm going to get demotivated out of there as, as soon as I can. So the book, The Demotivated Employee, and by the way, there's a secondary title if everybody is wondering. It's called Helping Leaders Solve the Motivational cr- Motivation Crisis That is Plaguing Business. And it's by Dr. Uh, Kathy Bush and Dr. Tara Peters, who's joining us. So... I love this book for a variety of reasons. I, I love the fact how you set this book up. There is uh, the story that opens up every chapter. And so you give us a little example, and that's kind of fun. And I, I enjoyed that. But then, you know, what you do is you walk us through what you want to walk us through. You've done the research. You've done your homework. And then at the end, when we get to we start getting through the chapters, you start giving us some action items at the end of each chapter that we need to do as leaders if we want to be successful in not demotivating our employees. So here's what I want to ask you just right out of the chute, because it seems like uh, one of the things that you are really making a point is that being motivated and being demotivated are not necessarily opposites of each other. 
correct? That, that is correct. And so, I mean, in fact, um, we kind of tackle that issue up front as we talk about the book, because, I mean, we acknowledge that certainly motivational research, right? We, we've been looking at motivation for a really, really um, long time, in fact, for, for decades. Um, and so we acknowledge that fact that we know a lot about motivation, but demotivation is not the opposite um, of motivation. And so we, we make an argument um, that really kind of crystallizes that. And we make that argument in part because we say demotivation is caused by different factors mm-hmm. um, and motivation is caused by is caused by another set of factors and so we look at some research and 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 basically make an argument that because of that they are in fact not opposites of one another well one of the arguments that you make and I it took me a second because I had to really wrap my mind around it for a second because you know, you make an argument, and it's a pretty strong one, that says, you know what, everybody comes into the job motivated. It's, 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 it, but over time, they can become demotivated. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I am agreeing with that. And then, I, <laughs> and then I thought, and I started looking back at my job history, right? And I'm like, mm-hmm. going, I'm like, you know what, we're all excited about getting to the job, right? You know, yep. we, we, we have this honeymoon phase with the job, and oh, everything is awesome. And then, you know, I started thinking about it and I went, doggone it, they're right. Because over the course of time, here comes the marriage, you know, right yep. after the honeymoon, here comes the marriage to the job and it's, it's not so fun anymore. Right. And, and, yeah. and, yeah. and that's, isn't that really kind of what happens? That is, that that is really um, the the crux of, of what we see happening, and so you know, like to your point, when we start, I mean, our new job, I mean, most of us are genuinely excited, right? We can't hardly sleep the night before. We're like, oh my god, I got this really cool job. I'm going to be able to do some amazing things. I'm going to be able to use my skills, and I'm going to be able to help the company, right? So we're we're really you know engaged. We're committed. We're we're you know we're driven um, by the work, and so that's where we start um, as employees inside. Of organizations. And successful organizations, those who are really good um, at motivation, um, for example, like the best places to work, figure out how to um, keep their employees highly motivated. Um, but other organizations struggle with this. And what happens is kind of what you, you the point you made there is that where, you know, over time, little things begin to, to happen to us. And we use the an, an analogy in the book of a basket where basically what happens is that holes get punched um, in our motivational basket. And so I'll give an example. And we use this a lot in the stories, but I'll use a short example here. You know, let's say you go to work, and you think that you're doing, you know, a, a really great job. Um, and then one of your coworkers comes up to you and says, you know, hey, Tara, you know, um, I was just in a meeting and, you know, your manager was like really, you know, you know, ribbing you and talking about how you weren't doing this, you weren't doing that. And you were blindsided, right? You had no idea that your boss had an issue with you or something that was going on. And so there are things that leaders do over time like that, like talking about employees as opposed to talking to them that cause them to lose their motivation over time. And sometimes they're big things like that. And sometimes they're little things, right? That just over time, it's a little poke here, another poke there. And before we know it, you know, our motivation has really just, we call it this idea of a motivational slump. And really it's just slowly just draining um, out of us. And so as an employee, this person who was all gung-ho and was looking forward to the work is suddenly like, mm, I'm kind of indifferent about the work. If I go in, fine. If I don't, I'm okay with that. And so we had this person, right, who was loving their work. And then we 
done something to them um, over the course of their employment that causes that employee no longer to have that same, you know, anticipation and excitement for the work that they're doing. We're talking with Dr. Tara Peters and the co-author of the book, The Demotivated Employee, uh, available Amazon, by the way, bookstores everywhere. Um, Fantastic book. Uh, Very, by the way, it's a, it's a, it's a pretty quick read, um, by the way, and it's filled with an appendix and just got great stuff and you're going to love the book. You know, I, I, I agree everything that you said, because I know that I have felt that I've even felt that there came a point where even in some of the, some of the work that I did in the past where I would wake up to dread where Mm -hmm. literally I was so demotivated. It was like, Oh man, I don't even want to go into work today. I just don't, I don't even want to go there. I don't want to go there. I don't want to be around the people. I don't want to be around anybody. And I, I am sure that everybody has felt that, you know, when they get so demotivated that they just really don't even want to go in. They don't. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's real. I mean, where employees, you know, they are, you know, they get up in the morning, we've had this and and it's funny because you'll even see this if you go on LinkedIn or other places, you know, basically like the Monday blues. Mm -hmm. Um, Tuesday, Wednesday, (laughs) Thursday, Friday. Listen, I had BB King on Tuesday, you know, I I, I had, listen, I I, uh, trust me. I I had, yeah. Yeah. Stormy Monday was stormy Tuesday was stormy Thursday. I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah. And so people are just they they hate the idea um, of actually having um, to go to work. And imagine what like a miserable existence that is, since we've all been there. Right. Mm. How horrible it is to think about having to go, you know, to that job and then repeat this vicious cycle every single day that you've got to return to that same place where you don't really want to be there. But you know, you may be stuck. And we kind of talk about that in the book too. Yeah. The reasons why people stay is this question around this whole commitment thing. Sometimes we're, we're a prisoner to it, right? We mm. can't leave um, because circumstances don't allow for it. Or maybe we think that, you know, well, the organization has done, you know, something for me, right? And so I just feel the sense of loyalty. And so I'm really not going to not gonna leave, even though really my time is actually up. So those are realities that, that people are actually dealing with in, inside of organizations. And then from a leadership standpoint, we look at these people, right? Because I've also been in the I've also been in the leadership side of it, right? And mm-hmm. as a as an owner uh, of a business, and you know, we have a tendency to go to the fundamental attribution error, right? Yep. Which, which, by the yep. way, is just one of my favorite. <laughs> when I was teaching psychology at, at, at different universities, one of my uh-huh. favorite things to teach on is fundamental attribution error. Yeah. But the truth, the truth of the matter is we all do this, right? Mm-hmm. When things go wrong or we see something going wrong, the first thing that we do is we blame some aspect of the personality of the person mm-hmm. versus looking at the entire environmental factors that could have contributed to mm-hmm. what this person is doing. The example I give people is you're driving down the road and you're following somebody and all of a sudden they're, you know, they're, they're weaving you know, all over the place and you start making judgment. Oh, there they go on their phone. There they, uh, you know what that is. See, they're just not paying attention. Oh, they've been drinking or whatever. Right. Then, then they, then they pull out and you see this wasp fly out of their window. Right. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, you were totally wrong about that. Right? <laughs> we, right, we yeah, so yeah. But isn't it funny though how you do that with other people, but yourself, right? You right. were giving yourself the benefit of the doubt, right? right? It wouldn't have been, yeah, you would have been something else if it had been you. But yeah, so so we do that um, as human beings, and uh, yeah, and and managers do that too, unfortunately. Well, we but we do this. We start to blame the employee for the problem. Right. Exactly. We do, when, so the employees demotivated. So our first, our default is, well, th- this is them. I mean, this clearly is their personality. It's clearly the reason why they're demotivated is because they're lazy. Let's be honest. Yeah. Tara, let's be honest. Lazy, lazy, lazy. L-A-Z-Y. That's the problem. <laughs> That's the problem here. So, so here's the thing. I mean, we, so what can happen to us is yes, our default is that we, we look and we, we blame the employee. We say that they're the lazy slacker. Um, and, and some of that is driven by experience, right? We have had some employees who didn't want to pull their weight, but that is not the majority of the people because if that is, then you have another problem, right? With how you hire. And so that's a separate conversation, but let's assume for the sake of argument that you do a really good job of hiring people, right? <laughs> and you know how to recruit and attract talent, then you can't just, you know, use the excuse or default to, oh, they're just lazy. Oh, they don't really want to put in the work. Well, that's not actually the the case. And so really like pushing leaders to say, okay, could there be another reason why, right? This individual is actually not performing while they're not producing, while they're struggling in their role and forcing the leader to actually take on that responsibility, not to be so dismissive um, of their employee and just, you know, basically just write them off and say, and, you know, that's just the way that Tara is. She doesn't really want to, you know, put in the work that mm, maybe let's, you know, try to unpack that a little more. There, there may be something else going on here. Awesome. What a great first segment. By the way, we're talking with Dr. Tara Peters, uh, co-author of the book, The Demotivi- Demotivated Employee. Again, I did it. Uh, the Demotivated Employee is the book. I'm going to say it over again. The Demotivated Employee. Uh, helping leaders solve the motivation crisis that is plaguing business. And she's joining us here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, New Direction has a couple sponsors, and we are so proud of, to have them as sponsors, and we're so grateful for them. You know what? Epic Physical Therapy uh, is my physical therapist. I love them. They have helped me through numerous sur- surgeries and and have got me back to being able to uh, do what I love to do, and that is work out and, and exercise and do those things. And they have done a great job with me. And I'm convinced because of that, they can do a great job with you. So whether you're recovering from an injury or surgery, such things like I did, or suffering from everyday aches and pains, which I do often, or having difficulty performing activities of daily living, maybe you're an athlete who is unable to perform your athletic activities at the level you like doing it. Well, look, here's the deal. The elite team at Epic Physical Therapy will provide you with a customized treatment plan tailored to your individual needs. Look, with their rehabbing experience in rehabbing young athletes to elite professionals, they understand the need to treat the entire body as a functional whole, not just your symptoms or your injury. So look, if you're ready for epic relief, epic recovery, and epic results, do not look any further. You just need to go to Epic Physical Therapy. That's Just go to their website, epicpt.com. It's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. E-P-I-C. PT.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors, you know what? Let me tell you something. They may be in the Research Triangle Park of North Carolina, and that's Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill, 
which is made up of the three universities, North Carolina State University, uh, University, North Carolina Chapel Hill, and Duke University. And they make up this area that is filled with some of the most amazing uh, businesses. And because of where she's located, she works daily with people who travel internationally and people who come in internationally and leave internationally. So she has created a network of people that help people, regardless of where they're at in the world, to help them with their home buying and selling needs. And she's been doing it for over 35 years, and she is fantastic at it. I Listen, the reason why I know this is because her customers say that her customer service is legendary. That's right. They, they, their, her customers literally say they have legendary customer service. They don't just have great customer service. They got legendary customer service. Look, there's no reason to start anywhere else when it comes to your home buying and selling needs than start with Linda Craft and her team. She, she may be located in the Research Triangle Park of North Carolina, but she can help anybody anywhere match you up with the right professional to help you get the best experience possible. Go with the legends of customer service. Go with Linda Craft and Team Realtors, and you can learn more by going to lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T dot com. And we're back here on A New Direction with Dr. Tara Peters and her book, co-authored with uh, Kathy Bush, the demotivated employee. And I said it right this time, (laughs) and (laughs) which is awesome. I I don't know why that became a tongue twister for me. All of a sudden I have been, I've been reading the book and all of a sudden it became a tongue twister. I don't know why (laughs) it just did for me. So let's dig in a little bit here uh, into the book a little bit deeper because uh, we've, we've talked about the fundamental attribution area there are five sources of demotivation that you and Kathy talk about here and uh, individual differences, workplace stress, organizational culture, conflict between coworkers and leadership styles. So let's start with the first one because I think the first one is easiest for the leaders to grasp on because it's the place where they like to jump first. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so, so let's talk about individual differences. What are we talking about when we say uh, people, there's, there's di- individual differences when it comes to demotivation or unmotivated workers? So one of the things that Kathy and I thought was really important as we looked at these five sources is to um, acknowledge that there is there is a part of this demotivation uh, demotivational impact that does belong to the employee, and that is the individual difference piece. And so what we're talking about here is so you and I are hardwired in different ways. Um, we talk about this a lot in terms of personality. So extroverts and introverts um, is an obvious place. And so because of that, you and I have preferences um, for how we want to interact, right? The the kinds of relationships that, that we want to have where we get our energy from. And also there are other parts of our individual differences that relate to um, our competence. And so when you and I, we talk about this really kind of as efficacy. So when you and I are confident, right, in our capabilities, that contributes um, to us being uh, motivated. Um, but when we bump into situations where we're trying to learn a new skill, even though we know that that's part of the process, if we begin to struggle and we don't get the adequate support that we need, and so we really can't do the job the, the way that we want to or at the level that's expected of us, then that can chip away um, at our self-confidence and it begins to 
drop um, our motivational level. Um, same thing with our personality, right? If there's a mismatch, um, you know, if I'm typically, you know, a person who likes my quiet space and the chance to do research and, and primarily work alone and those kinds of things, and then suddenly I'm put into a leadership role where I'm forced to be more upfront, more kind of interactions and relationship building, because I'm not really wired that way, that can become tiring for me and can really begin to chip away at, or as we talked about in the book, poke holes um, in my motivational basket just because there's a mismatch. And what we say to leaders is that while it is the employee, right, that's that's who they are, that's how they're wired, there are things that the leader can pay attention to and notice it, right? So you know, Jay, if you if you're working for me, right, and so you're, I've been in education um, all of my career primarily, and so you know, you let's say you're a new faculty member, right, and I notice that you know you seem to be struggling a little bit, you know, with you know getting your technology up to speed of your class setup, you know. Okay, that's a competence thing. So what can I do, right, as your manager to get in there with you and help you, right? Is there some more training? Is there more some more support? What are the things that I can do so that you can be successful, right, and so that right. you can be competent? And so we want to say to leaders, you don't just get to say, oh no, that's just them, right? I'm right, not going right, to pay right. attention to that. All right, I don't have responsibility to that. No, you can actually help with that. And so we talk to leaders about saying, yes, you can help, even with individual differences. There are things that you can do to support employees to help them uh, to, to navigate um, those differences that might be getting in the way of their motivation. You, you know, I got to tell you something. I, I don't know if this has been done, but you, you gave me an idea. You, mm -hmm. you and Kathy gave me an idea when you started talking about this. Because the first thing you come out with, and I, okay, who didn't like Winnie the Pooh? I loved <laughs> Winnie the Pooh. I... <laughs> I, I loved Winnie the Pooh. And I'm like, and I started, and you, you know, of course, you give the obvious, you know, Tigger, you know, the, you know, and by the way, I could still do it. You know, the most wonderful thing about Tiggers, Tiggers is a wonderful thing. The tops are made of the rubber, the bottoms are made of the spring, the bouncy, 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 fun, 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 fun. So I could still do it, right? But I, and because I loved, I loved Tigger. But I also, you know, Eeyore, who was the complete opposite. Oh, yeah, it's going to be another gloomy day, right? I mean, and then I started thinking about Pooh, who was kind of this optimist, but he was kind of an introverted optimist. You know what I mean? He wasn't, he had friends, but he didn't, right. you know, and he liked them, but he kind of was like, he was okay with his honey, you know, yeah. it was his yeah. honey was okay. And, yeah. you know, so I want, did anybody ever do a personality based, inventory based on the um, Winnie the Pooh characters? I am not aware of a personality assessment um, on, on I think Winnie. We the need to character. create right, one. We should do it if nobody's done it, right? Right, we should do it. I think it would be fun. Are you a Tigger or a Pooh? Are you, you know, are, are you rabbits, right? You know, the cranky right. rabbit, right? Are you, right? Are you, are you Rue and Kanga? You know, are you, are you both? Or, you know, maybe you're schizophrenic. You're Rue and Kanga at the same time. I don't know. It just might be fun. Yeah, yeah, to to get that crafted right and just yeah. kind, of, kind of see what people think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think <laughs> we got. I think Doc. I think we got to look into this. I think. I, I th know, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the heck project. with the heck with the MBTI. <laughs> the heck with the ocean, man. Look, we're gonna go. We're going Winnie the Pooh on you That's now. It. That's where it's at, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> who knew? Uh, who knew that we could do a personality inventory based on Winnie the Pooh characters? That's right. Oh, that's go. awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah. No, it's just. But I just, you know what, it was such a great way to introduce mm -hmm. this idea that we are all uniquely different. Absolutely. We're going to respond to stressors in different ways. We are, 
you know, some of us can fake it till we make it and actually not have a problem. And then some of us just can't. Yeah. And the, the faking part is actually will become exhausting. Um, and then there's another part to that, too. You know, we don't talk about it in the book, but this whole idea of an imposter syndrome. Right. And are right. people going to figure out that you are faking it right. um, and your true self um, is going to be revealed? So then there's that part. So, you know, what we want to say to people is let's put people in a position where they can be them, their, their true selves. They can be authentic, um, you know, and allow people to actually flourish in ways that allow them to contribute, to utilize their strengths. Um, and so in doing that, then we allow people to direct their energy, right. um, you know, towards the work that's really important and deal with this other issue that we talk about in the book too, around employee uh, engagement. Cause people that are faking right. um, are likely struggling, um, likely not, really connected uh, to the work and that has a whole nother set uh, of consequences for the organization yeah as an employee goes and our personality and you know goes and that type of thing we we, it it's it is it there is some of it but when we look at the other four areas the truth of the matter is there are four other things that really probably contribute a lot more i mean And this is the hard part, I think, for people to, I I need people to wrestle with because I had to wrestle with it too. The truth of the matter is you are your own individual and we do have individual differences. We understand that. But as we have individual differences, we also have to understand that the environment, and by the way, when I say environment, I am not talking just about the physical building, the desks or anything like that. I'm talking about the people. I'm talking about the business culture. And this is what this is what uh, Tara and Kathy are talking about too. The the culture that you're, you know, the business culture that you're in, the organizational culture that you're in, you know, the people that you work with, the um, the type of leadership that you are, the organizational structures, all the systems that are in place. That's all part of the environment. So don't don't. When I say environment, I'm not just saying a building here, right? Absolutely. Right, because I mean, I think people when they hear environment, they go, oh, you know, well, no, 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 no. They're the environment, we've got all sorts, okay, here comes the Skinnerian in me, but there's all sorts of condition, you know, con- mm-hmm. contingencies in our environment that, that impose themselves on us, right? Whether, mm-hmm. whether it's, whether it's a bad leader or a good leader, or whether it's, um, you know, there's a, you know, there's a structure that we don't work well with, which we're going to talk mm-hmm. about, whatever that is, that's all part of our environment that, contributes to that whole thing. And one of the things that you say at the end of this chapter of individual differences is that, you know, there's some things that we need to pay attention to when it comes to individual differences, um, when it comes to that type of thing, right? Like, you know, we need to pay attention to how we frequently are we interacting with our employees, right? Absolutely. Right. Are we matching our employees' personality and and disposition when we hire? This is this is this is where I think it's really important that people need to understand that they sometimes they hire a series of behaviors and they're not hiring a personality. And you you really need both. Right. Because, you know, when we think about, you know, there has to be a a match and we kind of talk about or a fit in two ways. Right. So in terms of the the job. Right. There has to be a skill fit. um, But there's also this need to match up in terms of, you know, personality, in terms of culture relative to the organization. And so, you know, we make an argument in terms of things that leaders um, can do where we put forward. Here are some things for you to think about. Mm -hmm. You know, and one of those is matching 
personality disposition in the hiring um, and staffing process, it, making personality assessments a part of, you know, how you actually hire and then um, train and develop your people. So again, we're trying to bring together um, the, the two so that employees can be set up for success because we talk about this in the book, Jay, we're not cynics. All right. And we right, don't believe right. that, you know, managers wake up in the morning brushing their teeth going, you know what? Let me see how I can stick it to Jay today. Right. right? You know, how can I make his life miserable? No, although we're, that's we're the way it felt. It felt that way to me. Yeah. Right. As an employee, yeah. it feels like that. But that's really not their intention. No, it's not. It's not at all. And so these things are happening unintentionally. But the consequence is still uh, negative for the employee, because to your point, you don't know that they are doing it accidentally. Right. Or they're right. doing it out of out of ignorance. Um, you because it's happening to you. You think it is you know, purposeful right. and it and you are being harmed by it. You're being adversely impacted by it. And so um, that's why we think this book is so important for leaders, because we're saying we want to help you. We know that you want to be a leader. We know that you want to be successful. And so we want to help you in that endeavor um, because we know that this book will help you um, to, to be more effective in your role. Gosh, you're, you're plugging your book for me. I usually do that. <laughs> She's talking about her book that she co-wrote with Kathy Bush called The Demotivated Employee. I said it right again. And uh, no, it's, yeah, it's a great book. I'm serious. It's a great read. I, I've got 14 pages of notes that I'm going to make her walk through with me. Um, be, and even if it takes us, you know, six days to walk through them, I'm going to make her do it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I have nothing but time. I'm, I'm I, right, she's got nothing so. else better to do but then sit here with me. going through. I want to ask you more questions about your book. So let's, let's move on to the next, uh, let's move on to our next possibility of being demotivated, and this is workplace stress. And when we, when you say workplace stress, what are you, what are you referring to when you think of workplace stress? So really, what we're talking about are uh, the dynamics that play themselves out um, that cause employees um, to be pressured. Um, to cause employees um, to um, feel as though they are um, uh, peddling harder and faster and perhaps with um, insufficient um, resources. And so stress is something that um, we can all relate to. We have, um, we've seen it in our work. We've experienced it directly. I mean, and I'd argue right now with the pandemic, I mean, it is, it is right in our face, right? I mean, mm. we see people, mm. um, you know, struggling with the stress of transitioning to um, a new work environment. Um, you know, they've previously been in the office and now they've got to try to on a dime quickly get up to speed uh, in terms of, you know, working from home. And then, you know, we, we add to that job stress uh, with some other factors, like I have new coworkers, aka my kids, uh, right. that now, right. oh, by the way, I've got a homeschool. Right. Uh, so, right. Right. you know, workplace stress is is a real thing, um, and and most of us are are familiar with it. We know what it looks like, and um, it really impacts people, um, particularly when it's. And we talk about this in the book when it when it persists, right? So, for example, you know. If I'm getting ready, right, to work on a on a project, so I had a brand new class that was getting ready to start, right? So there's all that adrenaline, right? The the, the pressure of getting to this next milestone, right, to get the class open successfully. That's fine. No worries there. It's short term. Class is launched. Boom, it's over. 
right? But if that stress were to be persistent, right? So it's for long periods of time or it was coming back all the time, we talk about the frequency of stress, then that is not um, a good thing for employees, particularly from, from a health perspective, um, because it can lead to, you know, to migraines and other kinds of, you know, adverse consequences. And quite frankly, as we were talking about earlier, you know, if I'm stressed out, do I really want to go to work? No. <laughs> Right? No. How well do I teach your customers, Jay? <laughs> you know, not, not not good. Not if you're stressed. Yeah. 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 So so it, so stress is a big deal. And no, uh, it, it's a huge. Well, you know, you know, you, you touched on it a little bit, you know, but I was just reading an article that the number of suicide calls has in during this pandemic mm-hmm. has equaled all of last year in mm-hmm. this one short period of time completely believable um people are under unimaginable um, Un- levels of stress. of stress yeah i mean we got a mental health crisis right, right. that uh, that is going on because of the uh the pandemic right. um and so absolutely people don't know how they're going to pay their mortgage right, right. we've got food lines people trying to figure out how to feed their kids and their families right. so no. there's a, there's a lot going on right now right and, and and you know this is before you wrote this book prior to it and yes. yeah, yeah, but listen to this stat that you quote from Mind the Workplace Report by Hella Buck. And it was uh, there, there's 120,000 deaths every year that may be attributable to workplace stress. Yeah, it's, it's staggering. That's mind boggling. Right? You know, yeah, because we don't often equate, right, the, the consequences of um, health. And relative to stress. So but if you think about it, you know, when people are stressed, they're going to be more likely to have health conditions right. that can lead to morbidity. Um, and so, again, that can be from, you know, from heart attack to high blood pressure, right, that leads to other kinds of, um, you know, health consequences that are negative um, right. for employees. And so, again, you and I understanding that being in a leadership position and the fact that, you know, sometimes we think of stress being this whole, you know, I'm, I, that means I can take it, right? This means right. that I am strong. Well, no, it doesn't <laughs> because your body is eventually going to crack under the weight of that pressure and your body is going to respond in ways that are unhealthy um, and ultimately could, could lead to, to your, to your, to your death. Um, and that really, to your point is, is just staggering um, to sit back and think about that. It really is. Uh, her name is Dr. Tara Peters, uh, co-author of this amazing book, The Demotivated Employee. And you're listening to her, who listening to her here on a new direction. Hi, folks. You know what? New direction. I talk about them all the time. It's because I really do love them, and they support the show. And it's Epic Physical Therapy. And one of the one of the things outside that that's just a great facility. It, well, it is a great facility, but part of the reason why it's a great facility is because they mo they have the most advanced top of the line equipment available. I mean, when it comes to your treatment, right? I mean, like just a couple of them, like a, a, the Ultra G anti gravity treadmill. Great, you can get on the treadmill without having all the pressure on your joints. Oof, boy, do I need that. Or maybe the Normatec compression sleeves. Oof. Man, talk about putting some, you know, getting some compression going and getting some muscle activation going. Absolutely outstanding. Or maybe it's the Game Ready, which I love. It's that icy cold water inside of this giant sock that just compresses the, just takes all, yeah, all the swelling right out of whatever you're working on. Oh man, it's great. Like that's just a few. And you know, what, what makes it even better is that they're trained and certified in the most comprehensive cutting edge treatments available. 
like here's some of the ones that they use blood flow restriction therapy cool stuff dry needling love it takes the swelling out again a little pain relief and then cupping right just getting the muscles manipulated through the skin and getting them to relax a little bit i just i'm telling you it's outstanding Look, if you're just looking for epic relief, epic recovery, and epic results, don't look any further. Just just get epic by going to epicpt.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors, for 35 years, they have been serving uh, people, uh, thousands of people, <laughs> literally thousands of people, in the selling and buying of their homes. They, they have literally built this business one relationship at a time. I, Linda has literally taken every person and she has literally built it from the from 1985 forward her very first customer and her very first sell out in Headingham which is a little neighborhood you know what they still come and visit her every Thanksgiving as she's giving away pies to all of her clients and you know what it's pretty cool that here they are 35 years later coming to see her to say thank you that's pretty cool and you know what that is that really is what they call legendary and the aspect of customer service, isn't it? When your customers are coming back 35 years later just to say thank you, that's pretty cool. You know what? I think you need to talk to them, especially if it comes to real estate. If you if you happen to come into 7300 Six Forks Road, they're going to hand you a bottle of water because that's what they're going to do. But regardless of where you're at in the world, the United States, you want the best. If you want the best professional to help you sell or buy your home, why not start with Linda Craft and team? They've got a great network. They're unaffiliated, so they don't are they aren't they don't belong to some you know, national brand. They are their own brand. So they've made relationships with the best, not just one brand. So why not check them out? Why not go to lindacraft.com? That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And we're back here on A New Direction with Dr. Tara Peters and the Demotivated Employee. And uh, we're having a lot of fun uh, together. Are you having fun? I'm having a great time, Jay. Good, yeah. Good. Good. <laughs> I'm glad that you are. Uh, let's, let's, you know, let's, let's move on. Uh, from the stress, I want to talk uh, a little bit about. <sighs> I, mm, I want to talk about the organizational culture because this is where, this is where I, this is where I found my demotivation was organizational culture, because the type of organizational culture can uh, can demotivate us in a heartbeat, and you want to talk about demotivating me. I didn't I did not recognize it. I did not put it together until I realized that there was three jobs that I had had. And they were with all they were they were different parts of the United States, but they were with the same they were the same organization and I couldn't figure out why I couldn't make it work. And I was so gun ho. Oh, oh, Tara, I was so I was so excited. I was going to change mm -hmm. the world. I was going to be the professor of the year that everybody was going to go, oh, this guy, don't think about taking another psychology class. Take it with take it with Jay because he's going to be right. fun and he's going to be outstanding, right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> right? And, and I got those awards, by the way. I got those awards from the kids, you know, the most innovative instructor. I got all these great instructor of the year, all these stuff, right? Uh-huh. But the bureaucracy, the politics, the hierarchy sucked the life right out of me. Yep. Just, oh my 
gosh, and I never, I couldn't figure out why, why was it, the, why was it the universities I was te- trying to teach at or do research? Why was it, why was, and I work for public and private universities. Uh-huh. Why was it that, why did they, how did they do that? And then I started to realize what happened. The fact of the matter is there was no avenue for creativity. Mm-hmm. There were, they, they would allow me to speak, but there were, they wouldn't really act on anything. Mm-hmm. Right. I right. couldn't I couldn't make a decision for myself because everybody told me what the decisions were going to be. I was constantly being threatened and harassed with my job situation mm-hmm. because I was considered a loose cannon because I was say to, you know, the the provost, you didn't answer my question. Um, right. right. And so. Absolutely. Right. And so what happens and then you find out there's a lot of fragile egos in the yeah. educational system. And so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's that part. There's that part too. <laughs> and I and then it, you know I realized that here I had all these ideas, all the research that I had with me at graduate school of helping deficient student athletes become, you know, great students. And I had all these programs they didn't want to do. And I was like, but all I'm trying to do is help the kids. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't get those to go through because nobody would, because it wasn't part of their agenda or it didn't fit within the political system. And I just I kept getting beat up for saying, but but I've done this research. Right. And that was and that was a real eye opener to me that the organization, the type of organizational structure can be really demotivating. It, it really can, you know, Jay. And so um, higher ed is uh, notorious for what he you have just described <laughs> uh, in terms of bureaucracy and the hierarchy and the, you know, the, the layers of policies and procedures um, that are in place that, you know, keep people, you know, uh, organized and, and quite frankly, coloring inside of boxes um, and doing things that, uh, you know, support people's roles. Um, and again, I'm, I, there is a place for policy and procedure. I mean, I think we could agree to that. But to your point, it becomes the the excuse for why we don't allow creativity, um, because it doesn't fit inside of right this, you know, 10 point policy that we've written. Um, and so what ends up happening is that folks like you who are creative and who want to, you know, um, bring new ideas um, to the table, you'll find that environment suffocating. Um, and uh, what happens over time is that um, you will, as you just described your own journey, right? It yeah. was uh, it was not a good fit for you. It was not a good place for you to be. And so you just found yourself really not wanting to be in that space anymore and ultimately um, leaving uh, the institution right. um, to, to do something else because it was it was such a mismatch, uh, you know, in terms of, of what your needs are. And and this becomes part of, you know, um, the the challenge. And, you know, we talk about a particular framework in the book that was re- developed by Kim Cameron and Robert Quinn back in mm. 2011 that all of the we talk about four cultures, right? Clan, etocracy, right. hierarchy, and market, and they right. all have different values, and right. those values appeal to different groups of people, right? right? Some people love structure, right? Some people right. love policy right. and procedure, right? Right. Right. Yeah. right? But there are a whole another group of people like you and like myself who struggle right. um, inside of those environments because we are, you know, trailblazers, right? We are innovators. And so we want to look at student needs and or market needs, right? And say, okay, let's adjust. But when it doesn't fit inside of that, you know, hierarchical structure or the processes that have been put in place, then if the organization doesn't fill out, figure out how to adapt, right? Then people like you and I, who are really good talent, um, are going to end up 
up, uh, leaving those organizations because there is a mismatch um, in terms of what our preferences are and our values and the the organizations. And so, what you've described is uh, is 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 a real thing uh, that that employees grapple with um, as a part of their career. Well, here's the here's the eye opener, and this is why I said employees should read this because I wish I would I wish I would have read this before because you know what I I think that an employee doesn't recognize doesn't they think they just want the job but they're not thinking about does it fit me in terms of an organizational structure because had somebody said to me you know this is going to be a hierarchy right where you know you're going to have to kind of fall in line here and you're they're not going to be real receptive to your creative ideas somebody would have said that to me and said oh yeah by the way they're going to they're not going to want that because you're going to have to follow protocols and everything I would have probably said, really? <laughs> and and they would have said, yeah. yeah. But I thought we were, you know, about education. We are, but we just have to go about it a different way. That would have said something to me because then when I think about the clan, you know, which is Zappos. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? Empowerment, <laughs> team building, employee involvement, employee <laughs> development, open communication. Woohoo! Let me go, <laughs> right? right? <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Right? <laughs> Right, and it, I mean, even adhocracy. I love that too. Surprise and delight, creating new standards, anticipating needs, continuous improvement, finding creative solutions. Google, Apple, wee, let me go, wee, wee, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, so, yeah, and you can like hear it right in your voice, right? Just the energy, right, that you're getting from the idea, right, of working for an organization like that because it appeals, right, to all right. the things that are actually. Um, congruent, right, with how you like to work and how you like to interact and how you like to collaborate and, right. and to be with others um, in, a, in a workspace, right? And just hearing you talk, right, how like energizing um, that is. Imagine waking up to that every day. Oh my God, right? We're going to get to do something really, really cool and right. awesome uh, right. today. And I'm, it's going to be valued, right? And it's going to be helpful. Um, and it's going to make a difference, you know, to think about what that means for the work that you're doing as opposed to, you know, the experiences that you had with the higher ed institute. And you definitely want that latter as opposed to the former. And so to your point, right, how do we create or build this self-awareness um, yeah. in terms of um, the kinds of organizations that um, are a good fit um, for us? But also putting this onus, as we talk about in the book, on leaders in terms of understanding, like how their culture is actually impacting employees. Right. And so right. a great thing. And we talk about this in the book, like with your institution of higher ed, why not do a culture assessment? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And, that would have been that would have been helpful. Right? Like, yes. Sucking the life out of employees like Jay yeah. because we are so hierarchical and so rules based and you know don't step out of you know step out of bounds or otherwise you know there's going to be a you know penalty to pay. Um, and we can, so we could actually fix that situation um, and and help employees right um, because you are a really good asset right. We talk about human capital all right. the time and then it walks out the door. You know, like a revolving door because we don't and it attend was, to. It was sad. It yeah. was sad because I loved the kids. Mm -hmm. I loved them. I wanted, I wanted to see them succeed so bad, and I loved them. And it was just sad. It just, it just, you know. I mean, the next thing I knew, somebody was saying, you know, why are you wearing jeans to a classroom? I don't know. Why is that important to you <laughs> that I'm wearing blue jeans to my classroom? You know. I'm going to show up in shorts and a tie. What do you think of that? I'm going to do that next. Right. Because 
<laughs> because the, re the rebellious nature in me decided I was going to go that route. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> You're just going to write me in. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to write it. I don't care. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Uh, that's pretty awesome. Okay, so you know what? Uh, let's let's do one more here. Let's do. Um, let's go in. I'm I'm going to jump ahead here in the book. Let's yeah. talk about maybe the leadership style. What is leadership style? Why is it so important that we pay attention to it and how does it demotivate us? So, so leadership style is about how um, managers behave. Um, and so we make choices um, around how we're actually going to interact um, with our uh, employees. And so um, those behaviors have an impact. And so, you know, we talked earlier about this idea around, you know, culture um, and that impacts how leaders actually um, are going to behave in terms of how they are actually going to set policy, how they're going to allow employees to make decisions or not, um, how they're going to include the voice uh, and invite the voice of employees or not, how they're going to communicate clearly and frequently or not. Um, all of those are behaviors. And what ends up happening is that in organizations, um, when leadership leadership behaviors don't meet the needs um, of employees, um, then those employees are going to be in a situation where they're going to say, you know what? this isn't really a good fit for me. You know, I don't really want to work for Jay anymore. I don't really want to work for Tar anymore. Um, and there's really, you know, some interesting research around how people actually leave their managers. Um, they leave their bosses. They don't actually leave um, their jobs. And so how you and I behave um, as leaders, it matters. And so we really speak to this um, to help leaders to say, okay, yes, you've been behaving in certain ways, right? You've been adopting certain kinds of practices, but you need to understand that they're having a detrimental impact on your employees in terms of their um, demotivation. And let me give you, you know, a quick example of this. So, you know, like during the pandemic, you know, one of the things that's so important right now is communication. You've got to communicate, communicate, communicate. And, you know, what's happening is that when leaders don't communicate, they aren't sharing with people what the status of the business is, when they aren't clear uh, in terms of what the priorities are, then people, you know, Kathy and I, we use this, this term, basically, it's you, in, you end up with a state of MSU, people make stuff up. And so, <laughs> <laughs> they create it. And stop, so, stop, stop it. You You're giving away my yes. secrets, Tara. <laughs> so you didn't tell them. Right. right so then right, they just right. they created their own reality around what right. you were going to say or what's right. really going on um, inside of the organization. And so um, when you hold information close to your vest, right, or you just are oblivious to the fact that people really need that information and it's important to them, um, then you put yourself in a position where, you know, your employees are flying blind. Um, and that, again, can be demotivating uh, for employees because they don't know what they ought to be doing or they don't have clear direction on how what they're doing actually fits into the broader picture. Mm -hmm. And, you know, communication has always been important, but its significance has really been escalated uh, with the pandemic. I so agree. I, I, I just told totally, you, you're really good, by the way. You were great. Oh, thank you. <laughs> you were really good. I, I, I have really, this has been, you know, we've been on an hour. I've had so much fun with I've you. I've had a blast too, Jay. It's this, been really cool talking to you. <laughs> this has been a lot of fun. And I, you, I, I told my wife, I said, you know, I think she's going to be really, really, really good. You were better than I would, <laughs> I even hoped. You were so much fun. You have great energy. And I, and you know, your picture that I've been posting all over the place, um, 
has you know you with your big smile and just this big beautiful smile it's just gorgeous and i love that and and i was like i got a feeling she's going to be fun and you have been that and thank so thank you, so you. that's been fun so <laughs> well you it's so, been great to collaborate with Jay. You're okay. very warm and inviting and kind, and so uh, very you. much so appreciate it. You're very welcome. You know what? Let me here's here's how we finish the show. So uh, I tell my friends because you're no longer a guest, you're a friend. I that, love it. <laughs> that the show is called a new direction because we try to help people find a new direction in success and leadership or in their life or their career in the business. If Dr. Tara Peters co-author of the book, The Demotivated Employee, could leave the listeners with a new direction, what would she say? So my new direction would be um, to take the time to invest in yourself. Um, this is a, a momentous time in our, um, in our nation's history, in our world's history. Um, and I think it would be really valuable for you to take this time um, to invest in yourself based upon what's important to you, um, based upon what your values are, and really um, commit um, to at least one thing that you want to do in order to be better as a part of your uh, investment. Of course, Kathy and I would love for you to read our book, um, The Demotivated Employee, um, because we think that it will help you in your leadership journey. And more importantly, it's going to be helpful to the people um, who are in your care. We, we really believe in servant leadership. And so we are here to serve others um, and to help them in their goals and to achieve their aspirations. So, um, But I'd encourage you to work on something that um, allows you to invest in yourself um, and to grow and to develop. And so whether it's reading our book or maybe there's a, a class that you want to take, maybe there's a new language. I was talking to someone the other day, they want to learn Mandarin Chinese. And so, uh, so that's what they're doing. But take this time uh, to work on one thing, uh, to invest in yourself. Awesome. Her name's Dr. Tara Peters. The book is The Demotivated Employee. You know, folks, the drill, right? I will do a write-up with links to her website and to the book that you can... Uh, that you can get it and you know that I'll post it and you're going to see it and you'll be, you'll be able to get access to it. Folks, that's the show. Could not ask for a better one. She was brilliant and she was awesome. And you know what I say? Be inspired because she was. Because when you're inspired, that means you can inspire other people. And in turn, they can inspire others. And that can make this world a great place. And you know what? I'm going to see you next week with another great guest with another great book. And we're going to have a just a great time too. And as I say to you every week, you know what that is, right? Ciao, everybody. Got to keep your hope alive. You got to know you can survive. This is your time to find a new direction, a brand new day. A new direction, things are gonna change. You can find the strength to go a different way. Dreams will take you places you 